What does your birth order say about you? Hey, middle child. Yeah, I'm talking to you first. Can you believe it? You're usually forgotten. What about you, youngster? Are you called the baby? What about the oldest? Do they actually know everything? Find out this and more on today's episode of Two Monicas in a Microphone. I'd like to add a little reminder today that Monica is living in a one-bedroom apartment with two preschoolers and a giant German shepherd. It's going to be an active day today, and if you heard some background noise like Hickory Dickory Dock, now you know why. And you are all the way in Florida and I am all the way in Ohio and we still make it work. We still make it work. There's a lot of dedication involved and a lot of flexibility on both our parts Mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully a lot of understanding from our listeners out there when things go lightly. (laughs) All right. So we're here today to talk about birth order. And if you've listened to us in the past, you may know what our birth order is. But if you don't, we're each going to share. So Monica, are you a firstborn, middle, last, or only child? I am a firstborn. I am the eldest. Oh, and how many years are between you and your brother? A little over two. I didn't realize you were so close. We're pretty close. We were pretty tight growing up while we were homeschooling. Well, I am number three of four, and I am... I'm an only girl. And so I have three brothers. One is nine years older. One is seven years older. And then the youngest brother is nine years younger than me. Wow. So I am in the middle. Now there's several factors that go into your personality. There are several studies that back this up. And it kind of reminds me of the back of my wonderful pistachios or pistachios, whichever way you say pistachios. it. Pistachios. <laughs> On the back of it, I love this little thing. I read it yesterday. Scientific evidence suggests, but does not prove that eating 1.5 ounces per day of most nuts, and then it goes on to explain. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what we're talking about today with birth order is that science evidence suggests, but does not prove. So there's, there can always be evidence. It doesn't mean that there's a definitive proof in science. So that's kind of how we're going to approach this today is like that. This is not a definitive science of any sort. Right, Samson? Right. Samson totally agrees. So according to Dr. Kevin Lehman, who is also the author of the birth order book, Why You Are the Way You Are, which is a book that my mother gave me, she read through it. Then I gave it to my niece, Prudence, and she read all through it, did a book report on it in high school, and then it has found its way back into my library, and I have been perusing it, which made me want to do this episode. What he says is that your first child and your second child are going to be totally different, and he's been studying this since 1967. And I would say that anyone who likes reading nonfiction, this is a little bit of self-help, but also I think what's great about it is it explains, okay, who you are and why you're the way you are. But also if you have any sort of pitfalls to overcome, it helps you overcome those. There's like a whole chapter on being a perfectionist. And it also outlines how to communicate with others who might be of a different birth order than you 
And anytime I can get my hands on information that tells me how other people work and how I can have better lines of communication with them, I think that's totally worth it. So we're going to put this on our show notes. I love it. It is very good. It's very entertaining, but also relatable. Much like, I don't know, two Monicas in a microphone. Exactly. This whole idea of birth order, mm-hmm. taking all of that with a grain of salt is the only way you can do it. Each of us are so complex that if you decide to put anyone in a box, you're inevitably going to leave someone out or someone's not going to fit. And then you think it doesn't make sense, but it does. It does. So we're going to get a little bit deeper into the birth order personalities. And we're going to have a little fun with it too. Again, this is nothing serious, but I think it is relatable. So I'm going to talk a little bit about birth order and how to figure out if you're a firstborn, middle, or youngest. And and you might be thinking, Monica, uh, why would you need help figuring that out? (laughs) obvious I was born first yes so for all of you firstborns you are the most obvious you will be a firstborn but for other people like me we're actually considered there's functional or classic so you're a classic firstborn but I'm actually a functional firstborn because after there's five to six years in between then it kind of starts over but you might still carry some traits of being the baby oh absolutely so for me, I was born third, but there's seven years between me and my second oldest brother. But also, I'm the only girl, so I'm actually the firstborn of my gender, which can play significantly into me being a firstborn. And also, it's been more than five years mm-hmm. since the other. So then I kind of become a firstborn, especially since I got a younger brother later, nine years later. If you talk to people who know me well, I do have a mix of traits between the first, the middle, and the youngest. Probably has to do with my comfort level with you though, let's be honest. Well, I can totally relate to the functional firstborn because that's basically the difference between Paul and his sister. He is the, you know, technical firstborn, but she was born seven years later. She's also the the only only girl. Mm -hmm. And so she has a lot of traits of both a firstborn, but also a baby of the family. Yes. Those of us who are only girls and babies were a whole mix. I think they could just write their own books on us, honestly. (laughs) Although technically I'm a middle child. So in this birth order book, he talks about second families. And in my family, we have three families. We always say we have the boys, which is my older brothers. We have the boys and me. And then we have me and Mark, my youngest brother. So as we get into talking about the specific types, we're going to talk about them as if I say firstborn, I mean, both traditionally and functionally. Makes sense. So let's dive right into the firstborns. So when I say firstborn, traditionally or historically, what do you think of when you think of firstborn? Like what kind of adjectives or people experiences come to mind? A leader, <laughs> uh, type A, yes. perfectionist, stubborn. Also a little bit of a rebel because you're blazing the trail. Okay. Very interesting. Well, I think of things like know-it-alls. Think about historically how firstborns, males got all the inheritance and females were expected to get married first. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, my reading of old novels, either reading old novels or reading historical fiction, which is loosely based on how things (laughs) happen. 
very loosely, but you know, somebody falls in love and they can't get right, married right. because their older sister the middle, has the middle girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the middle girl can't get married yet, even though she's just a year or two years younger than her older sister. There's always that. F- I like reading that. Um, anyway, we don't need to digress into Monica's, you know, teen historical fiction drama. So that's something I think about. But then I also think about how in lore and even tradition, sometimes it's the firstborn who sacrificed in some sort of way. Get Katniss Everdeen. Yes, exactly. Or have you ever said, I'd give my firstborn for that? Yes. So that's what I kind of think about when I'm thinking about firstborns. I was wondering if you remember any of these firstborns from TV and fiction. Alex Keaton from Family Ties. Oh, of course. Who could forget Alex? (laughs) Yeah, he's so great. And I think he really does play the traditional role of the firstborn. Now, uh, Dean Winchester, who I have to any time that I can mention Jensen Ackles, just know from here on out, if I can find a way to get him in here. So he is the firstborn and I think he acts so much like a firstborn and Supernatural is such a great sibling dynamic. Now, Mike Seaver in Growing Pains that he acted way more like a middle child and his sister acted more like the older child. She was more responsible. She was the perfectionist. He was more carefree. He was a rebel. He never listened to the rules. Right. You know, you mentioned Katniss Everdeen and I would say that she does a really good job of being a firstborn character mm-hmm. that fits our what we stereotypically think of firstborns and the stereotypes that we have for firstborns are pretty like i said to the evidence suggestion of of how they act. So Monica, you want to read some of these traits? You know, you being a firstborn and all, just talk about yourself for a little bit. I'd love to. I'm very conscientious. I mostly love structure, except for when I don't. I'm cautious, (laughs) but I love adventure. Controlling, high achiever. That's shown in every personality test I've ever taken. Inflexible and stubborn. I would definitely say those are two accurate characteristics. Not all apply to me. Yes. There's some others as well that are not listed here. Reliable, a list maker, well-organized, critical, serious, thirsty for approval, Mm -hmm. law-abiding, bad at delegating, but likely to seek help. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So here's an example of Mm law-abiding. He picked up McDonald's for the kids yesterday, but Paul and I didn't want McDonald's. And he's like, well, we'll just take it to Chipotle and we'll, we'll take it inside and we'll have what we want. I'm like, no, no, we can't do that (laughs) because outside food is not allowed. Right. What are you talking about? It's the kids. We're going to buy something. I'm like, no, I just don't want to get in trouble. I don't want it to be a thing. Yes. We're going to follow the rules. I am that way too. I always had a fear of being arrested for doing nothing wrong. That could give me nightmares. (laughs) Yeah. So Monica, it seems like there are a couple of ingredients that make the firstborn because obviously it's usually not, not always, especially in, you know, second families. It's usually the parents first experience raising a child. Yes. And so they know nothing. So they're going off of instinct and then whatever books they can read or advice that they're getting. So they see you because they're inexperienced. Just like if you're inexperienced at anything, you go watch that YouTube video the first time, or you read that manual the first time, but the second time you just do what you want. My friend Teresa and I talk about that all the time when it comes to our, our two firsts. Hers is also a girl and they're just a 
two months apart. And so we talk about how afraid we were to do this and that and how cautious we were. And then the second one came around. We're like, eh, it's fine. It's fine. Just knock that dirt right off. Yeah. So I did make an ingredients list. This was just a summary of things that I read. It is not scientific, nor is it even do I know if it's evidence-based, <laughs> but it's an accumulation of all the stuff that I've been reading. Okay. Okay. So what goes into making a firstborn is strict rules, center of attention, undivided attention from parents, stress from being the guinea pig, like you explained, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then just pressure to live up to expectation of the parent. I think those all make a ton of sense. Yeah. So those brew and then you get a firstborn and out pops my husband. Is he the, the strict firstborn or the functional? He is a classic, classic firstborn. So he's very, very firstborn. You know, what's really interesting about the birth order book is that as far as firstborns go, it has the most chapters is on the firstborn and the least is on the middle. Yeah. Oh, the irony is thick. And he, he does mention it in here that he understands that it's like that. But there's also different types of firstborns. And I didn't realize that till I started reading this. And, and that's why I do think I'm going to have Zach read this because Zach and I both thought that all firstborns kind of had the same type of personality, but they don't. There's either the aggressive firstborn or the compliant firstborn. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would say that I do know compliant firstborns and stubborn firstborns and that all made a lot of sense. So here's some interesting fun facts. Yeah. For everyone listening, I didn't know that firstborns usually score higher on IQ tests. That would Me? not be true in the case of my family. Probably. I didn't know that either. I couldn't believe that. I also don't want my brother Jamie to know that. So I won't be sharing this episode with him. No, don't. <laughs> Firstborns tend to out-earn their siblings. Significantly. Which I can see. I mean, they do get more one-on-one -on -one time with their parents. So whether you're four by the time you have a sibling, you've had four years of undivided attention. That's more books, more outings, more yeah. input. It's from true. So some of this came from parents.com. And it was funny because they had a link over to how to make your child's IQ higher and how to make them more successful. And a lot of what it had to do with was time spent with the child, which makes a lot of sense with what you're saying right here. It Definitely. just all kind of goes together. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that if you are a middle child or if you are a youngest, doesn't mean Absolutely. that you can't also have the highest IQ in the class. It's just that statistically speaking, these are things that can be said. And I think that we should take a moment and realize that's a little something about statistics. You can use them any way uh, you want. Any way you want. Of the first 23 American astronauts sent to outer space, 21 were firstborns and the the other two were only children. That's fascinating. That was. I was really shocked by that one. There was another mission that they went on, Mercury, I believe, where all of them were firstborns, classic firstborns. Okay, so I wonder how they structured that team. You know, because as a firstborn, you kind of want to be in charge. You know, so that to me, that would be fascinating to learn about that team in particular. But maybe that's another topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. What happens when all the firstborns get in a room? Well, you better hope there's some compliant ones. Right. More than half of the U.S. presidents were firstborn children. That I'm was fascinating. Surprised. And two-thirds of entrepreneurs are firstborn children. I'm guessing that entrepreneurs being the firstborn, they're a little bit like what you said earlier about blazing a trail. 
<laughs> the first to do something. So maybe it's not so scary to step out and do that different thing. It's not so scary to step out and be in charge of everything from accounting to warehousing <laughs> to marketing. Right. Right. You're helpful. You're supposed to take care of your younger siblings. Sometimes you're supposed to maybe make sure nobody leaves the house when they're not supposed to maybe make your siblings lunch, make sure they don't run away from you at the park. So all that goes into it. There's a lot of responsibility that goes to being a firstborn. So now that we understand firstborns a little bit, we talked about the fictional ones and then we talked a little bit about what goes into making one, but now we can apply that to famous firstborns. Not that we know them intimately, of course, but here's a few. Beyonce, Dakota Fanning, Harrison Ford, Jennifer Aniston, Now, this is really interesting. I'm going to say these three people and then have a comment on it, okay? Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie, and Brad Pitt are all firstborns. Now, in the reading that I did in both the birth order book and in a couple of articles, Mm -hmm. a marriage counselor did say it was risky for firstborns to marry. Not that it couldn't be successful, but that it's actually a high risk marriage, which is kind of funny because you had Jennifer Aniston with Brad Pitt fail. And then you had Angelina Jolie with Brad Pitt fail. Now I'm sure there's a lot of of other factors. I'm sure there are complicating factors, but that's, that's a fascinating point because you have similar personality characteristics mm-hmm. that are immutable. Yeah. And your personality is pretty much formed by the time you're five years old. Next, we have Chuck Norris. Is anyone shocked that he's the firstborn? No. Leonardo da Vinci. Sir Isaac Newton. Rush Limbaugh. And Oprah Winfrey. Again, Oprah Winfrey, are we shocked? Not surprised. Not surprised. Honestly, I'm shocked she's not an only child. I am too. Yeah. Speaking of only children, I'm putting them right behind firstborns because they are classified as super firstborns. Meaning that you could probably, I would call them not super firstborns, but magnified firstborns. But I didn't write the book, nor get paid, nor do any of the studying. So... We'll call them super firstborns. That's what we're moving on to next is only children. When I think of only children, it is not normally a flattering list of- Right? Yes. No, it's not normally, unfortunately. And it's, I don't think any fault of theirs. No. It's no fault of theirs. So I think of self-centered. Yeah. I Um, always think of bratty. Yes. But also mature. And I know that to say mature and bratty, you can be bratty, but also be mature. Yeah. Okay. The only children that I know, and I think that when I- coached cheerleading, I came across all sorts of teenage girls, you know, that all had more than one only children. I had old, young, I would say a lot of this birth order stuff comes into play for sure. But my girls who were the only children were the most mature of the girls, even more so than the firstborns who were possibly more responsible or maybe more leaders, but there's, they were not able 
able to have the type of conversations with me that were just more mature emotionally. Now, if they're listening to this, I did not think any of y'all were bratty. Um, I can I can see that because as an only child, you have the undivided attention of your parents. Yes. So I think a lot of what I have experienced is parents who maybe indulge in their only child right. too much as opposed to spending just time and inputting into. Yes. And we will get to that, okay. uh, to what you're talking about in a little, if you can take it as an explanation. Sure, sure. And <laughs> so, it's not a knock on, on only children. I mean, no, not at all. One of my best friends is an only child and she's absolutely wonderful and I wouldn't call her bratty, but the perception out there is that only children are bratty. And I don't know if you ever read Sweet Valley High. Yes. Okay. So do you remember Lila Fowler? She was an only child and she was spoiled and rich and bratty, but she was living up to a stereotype or a trope that was Mm -hmm. being presented for what only children were like. And they were very stigmatized, especially in the seventies and before when they were so rare. You know, now that you mention it, it's possible that most of my perception of only children comes from cartoons yeah TV shows yes where the negative characteristics are exaggerated yes because when you try to think about the actual people who you know I don't find that they're as self-centered and bratty as the cartoon characters show yeah, us that yeah, they are absolutely. in the case no one would like them and they wouldn't have any friends exactly yeah exactly so speaking of fictional characters there's one that I'm sure you and I would both find dear to our heart and that is Cher from Clueless <laughs> right so but think of how she was portrayed either that could have to do with the fact that she lived in Beverly Hills or that she was an only child I don't know but she was definitely portrayed very bratty then we have Jackie Burkhart from that 70s show love Jackie I loved Jackie she was awful but I still loved her but again you had that very bratty and a lot of times the only children seem to be attributed to well-off families. I don't know what that's about as well. But Me either. Basically, it's I want what I want when I want it now. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the stereotype yes. that I have in my head. Yes. And then we and have Jackie. Yes. Oh, gosh. And then we have Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. He oh. was an only. And he's so charming, but he was definitely an attention seeker. He liked to be the center of attention, but he was not portrayed as Brad. I think so. But no. he was definitely like smart, cool, yes. had, had money. Yes. And he got everything he wanted. Yes. So see, again, for some reason in fiction, we want to do that. Okay. So as I was going through these fictional onlys, I came across something. And I want you to tell me if you see a pattern after I say these fictional characters' names. Okay. Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman. Wonder Woman. Harry Potter, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Tony Stark, AKA Iron Man, Spider-Man. You need to get rid of parents and Disney, but if you are going to be anything interesting in the superhero and or sci-fi fantasy world, you better be an only child. Katniss Everdeen's one of the few that I could even think of that had a sibling that is as well known as these other names. These people did not have siblings. That's such a good point. Whenever I write about real people, I give them siblings, but when I've done my more fantasy style character, they don't have 
sibling. Something interesting to think about. Definitely. So Monica, unfortunately, I only recognized some of the negative characteristics <laughs> that might yeah. be attributed to an only child, but there are yes. lots of positive ones too. Yeah. So here are some other ones. Academically successful, self-confident, happy alone, logical and organized, a perfectionist and afraid of disorder. And I think these also resonate with experiences I've had with firstborns. I think the not street smart is one of them because you don't have siblings to show you the way life really is outside of your mature, loving, awesome parents, you know, who may want to protect you more than necessary because you're the only one. Right. And I do see that with some firstborns parents. I do feel like they're pretty protective, but think about it. Think about when you had your first child, how protective you were. And that would have, for me, would have perpetuated forever with Brady if I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had Lillian. But by having Lillian, that started putting a lot into perspective for me as a parent. Actually, to be honest with you, I'm just going to give another plug to this birth order book. It talks a lot about parenting too, and how to approach your first and your second and just maybe ways to communicate with them better and and to make them feel more comfortable and to develop into self-confident people. I'm telling you, this book is just full of gems. And I just thought my mom gave me a tchotchke book on birth order until I was curious. That's so cool. I may have to order it because Sienna and Logan are very close in age. Yes. And it talks about that mm-hmm. mixing because yes. she didn't get the whole firstborn experience. Yeah. It does talk about when there's just two, which is what you and I have. I mean, I thought I would have lots of children and I only have two. So I never anticipated the ways I've had to parent have been a little bit different than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. Now, I also made up an ingredients list for this. So I'm going to read it to you. C, ingredients for firstborns, double the recipe and add a touch of no competition. I think that's super accurate and fun. Mm-hmm. Not serious. Not yeah. serious at all. <laughs> now, some famous onlys. There weren't as many. I couldn't find as many people who were only children who were also famous. All that means is it didn't come up in searches on Google as quickly as the others. <laughs> so uh, you may have had to dig deeper. I, yeah, I may have had to dig deeper for this, but I did the same amount of searching for each birth order. I wasn't giving any more time. It's not like the birth order book. I didn't give more time to the firstborn. So we have have Nancy Reagan, Chelsea Clinton, Carol Burnett, Ted Koppel, Natalie Portman, Tiger Woods, Samuel Jackson, and Frank Sinatra. Okay, and then, a lot of recognizable names. Yeah. And then two of our first 23 astronauts, but I don't know which two. So that brings us to what babies or, or did I forget someone who who's after um, the oldest? I mean, the, is there anyone else? No, I, the, ba- uh, oh, the middle oh, child, the middle poor, child, the poor forgotten middle child sandwiched in the middle of everything gets yeah. the hand-me-downs and none of the new clothes yeah poor middle children left out unappreciated something that I came across both in this birth order book and in reading articles is that even though we had the forlorn middle child, youngests and oldest are more likely to seek therapy or go to a therapist than middles. There are less middles who seek therapy than oldest and youngest. Dr. Kevin Lehman said that is one of the reasons why there's not as much in his book about middles is because they're so mysterious because they're not 
not seeking either to be studied or to lay out their problems. Wow. So I think that we already answered a question. What do we think of when we think of the middle child? We definitely think of left out. And then there's the other one, which is trouble with a capital T. When you think of middle children, Mm -hmm. um, I found this cute little meme from Full House and it's Stephanie Tanner. And she says, DJ is the oldest and Michelle is the cutest and I'm nothing. Oh, she was adorable. She was so adorable. She was cuter than Michelle. And then you have the Brady Bunch and you remember Jan saying, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Who could forget that? Who could forget that classic, classic middle child syndrome going on there. So we talked about only child syndrome not being real, but middle child syndrome is a real condition. Yes. What you mentioned just a second ago, trouble with a capital T. Some of these fictional middle children were trouble with a capital T. Oh yeah. Darlene from Roseanne. Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. (laughs) Side story on that. Brady was watching that when my niece used to live here and she's a few years older and she was watching it. He was probably eight years old and then he started acting like Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. (gasps) I shut it off and I told Prue she couldn't even watch it around him because he was acting up so badly. So if you're looking for outside influences, entertainment, definitely one of them. Yeah, no. Outside influences and a character like Malcolm who is very bright and very just left alone and Mm -hmm. forgotten about, that's a recipe (laughs) for trouble. Yes. Then you have Carlton Banks from Mm -hmm. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and more current one, Alex Dumphy from Modern Family. Yeah, so I think that they all did a lot of classic middle child stuff, but I do want to think about Carlton Banks and the fact that he was the firstborn male and only male until I think later. He had a little brother, but they were like 20. He may have been firstborn functional. I think it'd be fun to dive into a- The crossovers. Yeah, and just see in, in fiction and in real life. Anyway, it'd be fun. Just don't have that kind of time. There are some really great- great traits about middle children, obviously, even though I'm classic middle, but functionally not, but I'll just, I'll just claim everything today for, for fun. But one thing is, this is said a lot. They have the least amount of pictures in the photo album. Oh, it's kind of sad, but true. They're independent, avoid conflict, very loyal to their peer group. They have lots of friends. They're relaxed, chill people, diplomatic but they're easily persuaded. Um, They're realistic about their own talents and abilities and they're a champion of the underdog. So they sound really great. I think middle people, middle children sound wonderful. And then, you know, they're some of my favorite characteristics, somewhat rebellious, being a peacemaker, being Mm -hmm. secretive, you know, no one paying attention to you. So how much candy can you squirrel away? Exactly, exactly. Who's going to notice? And I'm sure that's where some of that secretiveness comes from is how long does it take for anyone to notice me? I'm going to do this thing. Middles are fun. Although if you want to write about a superhero, you're not writing about a middle child. Sorry. (laughs) Do you have a not so serious ingredient list for a middle child? I do. And I almost forgot it. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. So if you're going to make a middle child, you need less attention, comparison, and make sure that they're forgotten. 
An interesting fact about the middle children, you know, we talk a lot about them being forgotten. We joke a lot about it, but the babywebsite.com actually did a survey and it's a British parenting resource. And it found that one third of parents that had at least three children admit to giving their middle child far less attention than they did to the first and last born. I can see how that might almost be inevitable. Yeah, you can't help it sometimes. Middle children, you may be forgotten, but you are extremely successful and well-loved. Monica, you want to read through that list? Absolutely. So let's start with one of my all-time faves, Jennifer Lopez. I remember when she was a fly girl on In Living Color. Then you have Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, here's another fascinating one. Donald Trump. Princess Diana. Your favorite, Michael Jordan. Abraham Lincoln. Martin Luther King Jr. One of my fascinations, JFK. Another tech entrepreneur and billionaire, Bill Gates. Soon be Anthony. Another pop star, Britney Spears. Peyton Manning. Michael Jackson and Walt Disney. I mean, this famous middle children list is bigger than any of the others. I know. Now I'm just going to make an assumption based on math. There's going to be more famous middle children because middle children account for like numbers two through nine of families. And with first and last, there's only a first and a last. But studies are showing that more American families are only having one to two children and that the middle child is becoming rare. This brings us to the last, to the baby, which is what I called the youngest child, the last child, the entire time. I'm like, why are we calling them the last or the youngest? They're the babies. Yeah. I mean, Logan is totally the baby. (laughs) Yeah. And they're babies. Even when they're 65 years old, they're the baby. think of when you think of the baby of the family? Oh, the baby of the family, probably spoiled. Mm-hmm. It's a way with a lot. Yes. Because, you know, depending on how many children there are in your family, mm-hmm. everybody else has already given your parents gray hair and there's pretty much <laughs> nothing you can do to give them anymore. Right. Um, everybody else does things for you because they already know how and it's just easier for them to do it. Yeah, all of that for me. And then they usually have less responsibility. They're not mm-hmm. either as responsible or given as much responsibility because their parents just agree. don't care anymore. <laughs> that is not why. Well, it depends. So if you're in a family where 10 years, 15 years span first to last, I think you would get tired. I would just say I would be yeah. tired. I'm going to be honest. So, so I'm going to use my my high school boyfriend as an example of being the baby of the family. He was the youngest of three boys and they were spaced out not very, I mean, within three years. They were all within three years of each other, maybe four. So he wasn't a functional first. Uh, But by the time he was a teenager, like his parents had already been through the ringer with his oldest brother. His older brother, the middle child, was a super straight arrow, like got great grades, had a life plan. Nothing could go wrong for him. And then he was just kind of like, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do this. Scarlett agrees. You know, he had very little responsibility. I want to say expectations for him. It's like, don't be as bad as your, your oldest brother. Yeah. That's an easy expectation to live up to. I don't know. I, that's what came to mind when I think of baby because. Well, let's talk about a few of the fictional youngest. We have Rudy from the Huxtables, Ariel from the Little Mermaid, 
you want to talk about no responsibility, rebellious, spoiled? Could you get any more spoiled than Ariel from The Little Mermaid? Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years. (laughs) Michelle Tanner from Full House. She got away with murder. She annoyed me. Always thought Stephanie was cuter. And then Beaver Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver. He was such a little brat. He was good spirited though. He was good spirited. Right. There's a mix of positive and negative. So you've got some manipulation. They're very charming. Mm -hmm. Uh, They show off. Can be a good salesperson. Precocious. Disorganized creative and innovative, easily disappointed, but also fun-loving, uncomplicated, outgoing, and self-centered. I think that honestly, if we, if we go through all of them, that the middle children have the most well-roundedness about them in some ways, and then the oldest and the youngest are so much more cut of the same cloth when you start to think about the people that you know. And I just okay. think that I can tell if somebody's the baby of a family. Or sometimes you're like, man, that person acts like the baby of the family. And you're like, oh, they're functional. You know, they're functional baby of the family. Mm -hmm. What would make you a functional baby of the family? A functional baby? Like I would be a functional baby because there's like a whole nine years before. That's an interesting mix. So you're a functional first and a functional baby. Yes. That's why I'm a weirdo. Okay. Why don't you tell us about the famous youngest siblings and let's think if we can tell that they're babies. Mm, Let's see. The first one, Prince Harry. He's all over the news. Yeah, I can tell he's a baby. Total attention seeker. Blake Lively. I love her. Married to one of my favorite actors, Ryan Reynolds. Cameron Diaz. Eddie Murphy. Wow. Okay. Attention seeker. Martin Short. Ellen DeGeneres. Whoopi Goldberg. Jay Leno. Yes. Yes. That is a trait for them that I think is interesting because it's not mentioned in any of those other traits that we read, but basically entertaining people being the little entertainer. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who are in stand up comedy who are the babies. You've got Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, John Stewart, Billy mm-hmm. Crystal, Danny DeVito, Drew Carey, Jim Carey, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, John Candy, Charlie Chaplin. I'm sure the list could go on. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just was like, wow, we've got Prince Harry and every other comedian that we can think of. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty accurate for that list. I love this meme that you have here. This meme, I think, sums up the entire episode. If you want to go ahead and read it to us, Um, I think people have heard it before, but there is nothing more definitive about birth order. Oldest child says, I make rules. The middle child says, I'm the reason we have rules. The youngest child says, the rules don't apply to me. (laughs) Oh, yes, definitely. That really sums it up about birth order. What about you, Monica? Monica, I think I'm going to go to the link in our notes and order the book because I'm really curious about siblings who are born close together and how I can help them the best I can. Yes, I think you will like it. Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are commuting to work, getting in your cardio, or folding that line laundry basket full of socks. We're happy to be part of your day. Don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you're feeling extra generous, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And until next week, friends. That was so fun.